but you must have fixed something upstairs and you left all the tools kind of at the top of the stairs to be taken down to the garage. I put them there to move them when I got a chance to move them. And in the olden days, I would pick them up and take them on down to the garage, but nowadays I just let it sit there and I tick away the days until it finally gets seen by you. How many days have those tools been there? I don't know, but I would say no. More like three days ago. and You know, men don't see messes. We don't see stuff. We We were just having that conversation with one of our newlyweds, and guys really don't, and you can't take it personally, and you really do have to remind them. Just tell me to pick it up. Yeah, I'll I'll do it. I promise. I just don't see it. After all these years, I refuse to do it myself. I'm going to wait and wait and wait and make you do it. You may wait a long time for that, honey. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm going to wait. Well, there you go. Well, if you just join us, this is the uh, podcast for imperfect and normal families only. This is Barrett Johnson. And Jennifer Johnson. Hey, we have the same last name. We should get married or something. Yeah. Anyway, we lead a ministry called Imperfect Normal Families Only, Info for Family Short. That's I-N-F-O. That makes sense. It took mm-hmm. me a couple weeks to come up with that acronym. Yeah. Actually, five minutes or so. Well, this is our podcast for imperfect normal families only, and maybe this is you. Is it you? Here's how you can tell. Um, if you ever bribe your children with candy to make them smile for a picture, which we've done many times, this, this podcast <laughs> is for you. much more than that. No doubt. And if your preschooler has ever pitched a screaming fit at church, this podcast is for you. That's embarrassing. And here, here's what I thought of. If, if, if you always love your spouse, but there are occasionally moments or days that you really don't like your spouse very much, this podcast is for you. Anybody relate? You to wouldn't be talking about me, would you? No, of course not. You don't like me some days. <laughs> I saw a survey once where a, a, a great speaker and marriage writer surveyed about eight or ten men. Does your wife love you? All of them, yes. <laughs> raise their hands. Does your wife like you? And only a couple hands went up. That's just real. I like you a lot. There you go. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about how to talk to your kids about sex which is kind of in our wheelhouse. We talked last week about sex and marriage, and of course you can go back and listen to that, but today we're going to talk a little deeper about uh, how to have those conversations with your kids to help them begin to navigate a hypersexualized culture they live in and how to uh, discover God's best for them in that design, and so that's where we're going to be. I I thought about starting this off for those parents out there who have maybe had this conversation with their kids already, or maybe those who have not. Mm -hmm. What are some of the strangest stories we've heard of parents when they told their kids, birds and bees, like... This is what mommies and daddies do to, to make a baby. When they first had that conversation with a elementary school age kid, yeah, I what keep, kind of responses? I keep encouraging Barrett to, um, I don't know, write these all down over the years and we could make a little book and I think it'd be hysterical. But one of uh, the stories I've heard is the young girl was told about um, just the whole mechanical mechanics of it and the next day, they were sitting at the pool, and a pregnant person walked by, and she said, I will never look at a pregnant person the same way ever again for the rest of my life. I remember one conversation I heard where uh, a parent told a son uh, about birds and bees, and uh, the son kind of did the logic and kind of started thinking it through, of course, with the shock and horror of what mommies and daddies do. <laughs> And uh, the kid said, so there's four kids in our family. That means you and mom did that four times. 
And uh, I think you know, the dad's like, well, you know, more or less, you know, somewhere in there, <laughs> round up somewhere, numbers. Another one was a child that just said at the kind of at the end of the parents' little chit chat was, I could have gone my whole life without ever knowing that information. I didn't need to know that. Thank you so much, mom and dad. And that's okay. The cool thing is none of those kids are in therapy. We know some of them. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll all survive. And they'll all be okay. Well, let's keep things moving ahead. We know we want to have a featured Imperfect Normal Family of the Week. And here you go. So this week's featured Imperfect and Normal Family happen to be um, superstars, Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell. Did they reach out to our Info for Families website? I wish they had, but we had just caught this in a clip on Ellen and we thought this was very apropos. So they were talking with Ellen about their children and the talk of the birds and bees came up. Let me just play the clip for you. The five-year-old Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, you decided to talk to her about the birds and the bees. Well, she asked. Well, yeah, she did, we, she we said, didn't like. Oh crap! Uh, we got to get around to that talk. Yeah, she She's said. <laughs> but where do babies come from? And we were both like, real okay, talk. Real talk. Sit down. Uh, we went through the anatomy: mm-hmm. penis, vagina, ovum, sperm. Mm-hmm. We're laying it all out. We get right to the action. Right to the good part. And she's like, "Okay, I gotta go outside." And just left. Yeah, she bailed. She bailed. So she, she knows did all the organs, but when it, when it got to the actual, she didn't care. No, the, the nuts and bolts of the operation. Right. <laughs> we bored her to death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that is absolutely hilarious. Um, first of all, I want to put every young mom at ease or young dad. Um, you do not need to tell them about all of the parts or the uh, mechanics of it at four or five. Forty-five-year-old. That seems kind of early. Some kids have questions, but that's awful early well, that's to start going into mechanics. Well, that's a very common question at yeah. that age. You either know someone that's pregnant or your mom's pregnant or all kinds of stuff at age four and five, and it's just a simple question: Where do babies come from? And it's a simple answer: They come from inside mommy's tummy and you go from there usually that's the end of it but you just give simple answers to simple questions don't try to complicate it the way that the poor um our celebrity friends yeah yeah the the kid got bored which i would see that i don't need to know that much technical information yeah they they don't even know what the heck you're talking about i heard the story of one parent who told their kid about an egg that mom has and when they were making like you know scrambled eggs the next morning the kid was trying to put the pieces together so they always say use anatomically correct terms, but that's just too confusing for a small child. So anyway, if, if your kids have ever asked you a weird question, that's the reason you've got to be prepared to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Which is but our, it doesn't have to be, again, huge or complicated. The nuts and bolts maybe can come later, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But first up, what's in the news? So in the news, I hate that we have to bring this up again, but The Bachelor is in the news again, and this oh, is terrible. No. We, we mentioned The Bachelor last week, but but um, we honestly do not watch the show. We don't, I but but it's you. been all over the news. Currently, the buzz right now is that the current Bachelor dude went off the reservation. He went off the program. Right. He's supposed to have this, you know, intimate date far away in a faraway country with three finalists, and apparently he pledged his love for one girl and. Um, it was before he was supposed to, and it, like mm-hmm. buried the lead, and like they didn't have anything to do. And when she kind of rejected him, 
he like jumped a fence and ran away or something, which yeah. is, which I get that though. Let me just pause for a second before uh, we get in the content we want to talk about. The whole show is so stupid. But though. here, listen, fear of rejection for man. I mean, when I first asked you out on our first date, it was kind of a hedge my bets kind of thing. Yeah. It was you a, you really want to bring that up. Well, it was kind of a, if I ask you out, would you go out with me? It was really kind of just, I was afraid of rejection. Super so I, lame. I get that from the I poor. I can't believe I said yes. Well, you did because you said yes for many, many times for the last <laughs> 30 years or so. Um, but what troubles me about the bachelor thing and is related to our topic today is the commonness of having sex before marriage. That is a given thing almost in all of our kids today. You can read a statistic in a study done three or four years ago that said that uh, 88% of single adults in their 20s are sexually active. And even when you look at people of faith, young people of faith, Christian single adults, numbers 80% of them are sexually active. So we don't make much ground as people of faith. It's not uncommon to see a relationship where sexuality is a common part of that as they move towards marriage. Even the cohabitation thing. It's like we have to figure out, we have to try it out before we marry thinking somehow that's going to be um, a way to determine if our marriage is going to work. Yeah, right now, I read a study of the day that the cohabitation is up to 70% before marriage. Uh, 70% of couples live together before getting married. Mm-hmm. And there's data all over the map on that even regarding is cohabitation a good practice for marriage. Some Most studies have shown over the years that divorce rates actually higher for cohabiting couples, but some folks are analyzing that now coming back with different data. So it's all over the map. But the, the, the reality is it's common for our kids to go, let me have sex before marriage so I can try it out to see if it works, mm-hmm. which is actually a bad formula for preparing for marriage because maybe as our bachelor may have thinking or may have been operating under is that you know sexuality can mask relationship flaws, which yeah. gets couples in trouble down the road big time. Mm-hmm. It covers up the flaws. They get into marriage, the hard parts of marriage, and it's uh, it's hard to stay committed because you've trusted in your sexuality to connect you when it's got to be more than that, and sex has got to be kind of just a celebration of that. Mm-hmm. So, so if your family does watch The Bachelor, I guess you could use that as a jumping off point to talk about what Bear was just talking about. And if you don't watch The Bachelor, we commend you. Yeah, really. But still, it just reminds us once again that these issues are important, and what our kids do before marriage is important and helping our kids navigate their culture and to make wise choices as they go is critical. That's why moms and dads, you have a plan to how to talk to your kids about sex. So let's get into that right now. How to talk to your kids about sex. So this is kind of a hot topic for us. This is what we feel called to talk about probably more than anything else. It's what kicked us out of the nest of working in a large church for many years. We felt called to come alongside parents and churches and people and schools and just to say, let's get talking about these issues with our kids because there are issues that are critical to them that they're facing and need help navigating. Mm -hmm. So we worked really hard on the title of our book. Yeah. And um, one of them cracks me up. This is what I pitch actually to like book publishers and stuff. Yeah. It was called. Get Sex on Your Table. (laughs) I mean, that's something you look at twice. (laughs) No, I think it's kind of funny. Maybe we would have sold more books with that name. I don't know. You know, I don't think folks would walk out of Barnes and Noble with that <laughs> book under their arm. That's the well, they part. order it from Amazon. Nobody well, knows. the point was though was this that sex is already on the table. It's being talked about everywhere. It's in the media. It's on our smartphones. It's on the kids' peer groups. It's being talked about everywhere. The point of the book was 
it's already on the table, parents. Get sex on your table where mm-hmm. you can frame the conversations and you can dictate conversations about what you're going to talk about and how you're going to equip your kids. So, yeah, we, we didn't go with that title. <laughs> we kicked around the title sooner, which was, again, answer the question. Yeah. When do you talk about sex with your kids? Because so many people ask you that. Well, sooner than you think you need to. Mm-hmm. And our joke is always that book would have sold really well in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but nowhere else. Oklahoma Sooners. There you go. But uh, so we settled on the talks, and so yeah. our our goal was to encourage parents to have numerous conversations, not not one uh, birds and bees talk, which is critical, but numerous conversations about sex with your kids. And talks with a giant S on the end, because we used to think that it was going to be just one kind of big event. Here we go, tell you everything that you need to know and realized after raising kids and doing life um, and ministry even that it needed to be an ongoing, never ending string of talks. There you go. But um, one of the things that I find most crucial in beginning any of this with your kids is that it has to be done in the context of a good relationship with your child. I don't think that if you um, try to have these conversations with a child that you don't have their heart and you don't have a good relationship, this is just, it's going to be, I just don't even think it's going to be received well. It's one of the reasons why Barrett and I, a lot of people ask us to speak to teenagers, but we don't because we feel called to talk to the moms and the dads, because we could go in and out of churches talking to teenagers who don't know us. We're we're just the weird 50-year-old people talking about awkward things that... So many times that would be so creepy, and they would not have us later on in the week to ask more questions of, and we just don't think that's right. We really feel like you need to talk about this conversation with your own child within a great relationship with them. And if you don't feel like you have their heart, one of the easy ways to get it back is to learn the five love languages and make sure that you know what that child's love language is and make sure that you are meeting that need for quality time or words of affirmation, et cetera, et cetera. Because once you connect with their heart, then it's much easier to step into some of this stuff because they know that you love them and care for them and want to guide them in this stuff. So, Right. I would not do it until you know that. That's good. So if, if parents are listening to this right now saying, how do I talk to my kids about sex? fast track a heart relationship commit yourself to that first and foremost whether they're 10 years old or 16 years old Mm -hmm. there's something there for that let's talk about excuses so there's parents out there listening going you know what i don't want to have conversations about sex with my kids it's strange it's weird it's awkward to which we always say yes it is (laughs) we're not going to give you anything in the next few minutes that's going to remove the awkwardness from it it's always going to be a bit uncomfortable but we can make excuses all day long and never have these important conversations. So what are some excuses, Jenna? We teach this and we talk to parents that we hear a lot of uh, from parents out there. Well, one of them is nobody modeled it for um, us. And I'm a real visual person. And I remember speaking to someone who said, you know, what was the tool chest like that your parents had as they parented you, even in this area? For resources and tools to parent and know how to do it right. Exactly. And I would say that our parents' tool chest was about the size of an Altoids box. (laughs) 
uh, with a little handle on it because they just didn't have it. And yeah. it's not their fault. And of course, again, it makes me so angry, but I'm sure the church wasn't speaking at all no. about it or having um, classes for them to attend on the subject or anything. So again, I feel like they had like an Altoids box of tools and, and we've got maybe the I don't know. We've got a giant, one of those craftsmen roll, rolling uh, <laughs> a toolbox you see at the, the uh, auto parts yeah. with, uh, mechanic places that can roll everywhere. So we have a lot of resources available to us. So we can't use that. You know, our, no, no one showed me how to do this as an excuse. We've got to step into it because the culture has changed certainly so much. Um, another excuse that comes to mind is that we hear from parents and we've uh, seen a lot is that you kind of feel like a hypocrite. You think I've made a lot of you know, bad decisions in my own life developmentally and through my teenage or young adult years sexually. And so I'm not qualified or I'm, I, I feel like a hypocrite when I've talked to my kids about making wise choices because I made so many uh, boneheaded decisions through my developmental years. And that's legitimate. I get that. We understand that completely. But nothing is, is more like a, a, a generational curse to your or generational sin to your kids when you know that there's you know baggage and junk from your past that you don't help your kids navigate that uh, in the next generation. Mm -hmm. So you can't let that. You have to say, God, give me forgiveness. Help me walk in grace. Help me to realize that my kids are facing a world that's a lot more troubling uh, in these areas of sexuality than the world that I grew up in even. I've got to help my kids be prepared to address this and, and get into this. And worst case scenario with that is every parent worries they're going to have to tell every detail to their kids of every mistake they ever made. And that's just not true. You don't have to do that. You can even you, say that that's my story to tell. Yeah, but um, you, you know, just do that based on what God lays on your heart and don't let that stop you. And if anything, that's a great point there. The conversation with your kids about sex Boy, we've got to be on our toes saying, God, help me. God, show me. God, tell me what to say. Mm -hmm. And he will give us help along those lines. So that's definitely key to have God as a teleprompter for us there. Definitely. What's another excuse parents make, Jen? Um, afraid to take away their innocence. And I would say this is one of the number one things. And even though we sit and talk about it with a group, people line up afterwards and just honestly come up to me and say, but I don't want to take away their innocence. They're and I'm so like, young and they're so sweet. I just covered that in our talk. I know it seems hard and we, we for sure know how it feels five times over, but because of the world that they're growing up in, the things they're going to see, the things they're going to know that are so far reaching and so much more than what we knew, you just have to think about it as not taking away their innocence, but preparing them for what's ahead. And yes, that is going to take a little bit of their innocence away. But you know what? I'd rather me take that innocence away and informing them and in, things in a loving, that they're going to caring, right, tender environment. Um, and informing them of the things that they need to know and the things that are coming down the pike than some idiot on a school bus, you know, taking it away. Yeah. So you really got to just let that one go and just know that you're in control of yeah. how much they know and it's going to come from you and it's going to come from someone who loves them. And again, I'd much rather us be in charge of that than somebody at one school. One of the principles that drives us in all this is that you, you want your kids to hear stuff from you before they hear from somewhere else. Exactly. And with technology and with smartphones, the chances of our kids hearing stuff from somewhere else is a lot higher and a lot younger. That means these conversations have got to be a lot younger and a lot more intentional. Uh, and parents are always telling us, I'm afraid I'm going to tell my kids about something. 
you know, pornography or something, and they're going to get curious about it, and they're going to go crazy looking at it. Right. And in, in our experience, for every one child that happens to, and there's been a couple of occasions that's happened, there are hundreds of situations or stories of family saying, I did not prepare my kids for right. this, and they got full-blown into it without coaching for me. Mm-hmm. So there's no connection between, I'm going to tell my kid about something, and it's going to make them want to go do that thing. You just got to be prepared to, to tell them what they need to know, to, to know the word they're, they're going to encounter, and make wise choices to, to respond to it accordingly. And we just so desperately don't want parents to have to backpedal. Mm-hmm. We, we want us to set out the definition of what biblical sex is so that when our kids come home with all kinds of stories, we can say, well, how did we define that a year ago? How do we define that a couple of years ago? Let's, let's weigh what they said or they did compared to what we, we gave you and told you. That's great. Um, a final kind of excuse we hear a lot from folks, and they, they don't say it out loud, but we kind of hear it in some you know more private conversations with them, is that their 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 own sex life and marriage is kind of a mess, and they have a negative view of sex, and it's real hard for them to communicate to their their kids a beautiful, happy, positive view of of human sexuality, God's gift of sex, because they're not experiencing that in their own life. And if that's you, I would just probably take a minute to get in your business and just say, fix that. Take whatever steps you need to take to work on that. It's not God's plan for you to uh, be frustrated or be bitter or not experience the joy of God's design for sex. Now, again, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to have seasons where it's not what it needs to be. But if that's been your reality for years and years and years, and you just kind of resign yourself to the fact that, well, sex isn't for us, that's not God's plan for you. God wants us. God commands us to be intimate, to to have a great, abundant, rich, satisfying sex life and marriage. And so if that's not you, boy, find some ways to work on that. If it means you know seeing a, a counselor or a therapist or having some meaningful conversations with your spouse, going back and listening to last week's podcast maybe, uh, find some of the resources we recommended there, but just don't stay stuck there in a negative place regarding your own sexuality. I've seen um, a couple of video clips this week, and it's a picture, it's a video of a mom and dad kissing with a little tiny baby in their arms, and the baby's probably just four months old, and every time the mom and dad kiss, the baby giggles and smiles and laughs, and you know it's true that when you and your spouse are um, hopefully like kind of making out or hugging in the middle of the living room that child or whoever's in your house, I promise you, even if they're two rooms over, um, have some sort of spider sense and run and get in the middle of the two of you and want to make a sandwich and want to watch you. And and Barrett, honestly, we just say you need to be grossing your kids out at least once a week. I mean, like grossing them out by kissing and hugging and showing affection and Everyone yesterday, um, when that was shown, said, gosh, we remember our parents doing things like that and how much security it brought to our growing up years, our relationship with our parents. So I think this is just, you think you can sweep it aside and, mm. and do the right things with your kids and say the right things, but I think it really needs to be apparent to your kids that you love each other and you're affectionate. Your kids pick up on that. And when they're younger, even when they're older, they'll pick up on it big time. Well, very good. We'll deal with those excuses in your life, but let's just get into the nitty gritty of this, Jen. Let's say a, a parent has got a child that's that's uh, 
seven, eight, nine, ten, beginning to ask questions. You think we need to have this conversation. I think there's there's one question we get the most is is what age is the right age to tell your kids about sex? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you used to be years ago could could wait till ten or eleven years old. For many kids in public school, exposed to a lot of viewpoints, a lot of different kids who are more aware than they are. I think you know eight, nine years old is not too young for some kids. Mm-hmm. I think for sure by ten and eleven, we've recounted a family. A year or two ago, and they had a 13-year-old girl, daughter, they had not had a birds and bees talk with. And we're like, you need to go home right now and, and figure <laughs> out a plan in the next 40 hours to, to have a conversation. Because it's just crazy how long we can let our kids go without having good information from us. Yeah. And again, that goes back to us wanting to define sexuality. I do not want someone else to be defining what sexuality is to my kids. It's just so important. So really, I mean, I just feel like you've got to pray and ask God for the timing. And I feel like in raising five kids, God's almost like rolled out a red carpet at what time, you know, the time that is right and the time that is good for each kid. We have tried to make it into a special occasion. That's one thing we did. So, so talk about that. Talk about the, the kind of the special occasion we've done with our kids. That's important. We, um, as a big family, don't fly very often at all. We, we would just pile up in the minivan to go somewhere. But Barrett took the boys on trips, um, and I took the girls on trips and flew to fun places like Chicago. It was about 10 years old. We. We even started calling it our 10-year-old trip. It's kind of the language we kind of started using. Yeah. So it was one parent, one child off someplace special, uh, and then with an intention during that weekend or whatever to have uh, the birds and bees conversation and kind of shatter their innocence and bring them up speed regarding (laughs) where babies come from, what mommies and daddies do. Well, let me tell you, it didn't shatter their innocence. and I'm so glad you said that. Each kid does not remember at all what we said. And I want you to know we were talking about this. Our whole family, minus two people, were at dinner at our house yesterday. Grandkids, in-laws. And honestly, our kids don't remember a thing we said on those trips. They're not in therapy over it. But what it is, and, and the most important thing that trip or that time is, It's the first time that you open the door to say, look, this is something that is going to involve the rest of your life in different ways, and I am a safe place to come to to talk to about it. Don't ever feel embarrassed. Don't ever feel like you're going to get in trouble. Just tell your kids that we're having this awkward conversation, but it's going to be the beginning of many, many, many that I hope you feel less awkward in the future and it's just opening a door to many, many, many conversations. And again, just um, helping your kid not feel weird about it. And I love the way you said that, that it's just a start of many conversations. It's almost like you want to tell your kid, hey, here's something every child, every 10-year-old needs to know. And, and now that you know, you have to be trusted with this. But but then know that I'm a safe place to ask whatever questions you have about this. You, we give them resources. You give them a book or two that they can look at on their own time or that you can walk through with them. We love one resource we found in recent days put out by our friend Sheila Ray Gregor called The Whole Story. And it's a series of video clips that a mother and daughter watch uh, presented by a couple of young women, uh, Sheila's daughters who are in their young 20s. 
And there's also a version for young men that's presented by this uh, kind of a cool young guy who kind of describes a lot of content that you can watch with your your child and kind of just watch it through a four-minute video and then talk about it mm-hmm. and answer questions. But again, as Jennifer said, you want your kids to know they can ask you anything, that you are the reliable source. You know, you can a kid can find an answer to a question. They can go and Google anything, but obviously – you don't want your kids Googling their questions about sex. Mm-mm. And you know what? I'm going to their peers. We, we told our kids during these seasons and during teenage years even, hey, when it comes to sex, your friends are all idiots. They're just mm-hmm. absolute morons. They don't know what they're talking about. But I do, and I love you, and I'll always tell you the truth. So setting up for more conversations that way is huge. We found that a lot of our kids' friends would go to our kids and ask questions to ask us because their parents didn't talk about it, which breaks my heart. But um, if you set it up this way with your kids, you'll end up probably ministering to a bunch of other kids too, whose parents either don't care or are oblivious to how important talking about this topic is. I'm trying to think of some more best practices in that initial birds and bees talk. I think one thing comes to mind is just to stay positive. Your kid's going to have big, you know, Eyeballs as wide as saucers, shocked at what goes on when mommies and daddies get together. To be able to say, hey, I, I know this sounds strange. I know it's bizarre. But with our kids, my sons, it was it was this line. It was, I know this sounds bizarre, but I promise, son, you're going to want to be a part of this. It, it, it's something that you're going to find you have a great deal of interest in the older you get. And when God brings that special person to your life that you're going to marry, it's an amazing, special, unique way that you can connect. But being positive, positive, positive is critical because your kid's tendency is going to be go, that's gross and weird, and I'm never doing that. So hopefully we can steer them towards a more positive mindset. I also think that the books that we give as resources in our book, The Talks, are so helpful because I think when we have these initial conversations with our kids, most of the time it's going to go in one ear and out the other. And I think leaving them with a book that hits right where they are developmentally is something that they can keep. And you can use that book as a way to initiate conversations down the road. Like, have you looked at that anymore? Do you have any more questions about it? Because, again, I think it's going to be really hard for them to take in the first time you have that conversation. And they're having that book just kind of, I don't know, just can follow them along. And then, I mean, our set of books that we talk about, I mean, I'd be giving a new one every, what, couple year, years. couple years? Yeah. Um, to keep the conversation going. And again, if you're nervous about all this, which everyone is, the book is the bad guy and the book is the one who brings up the subjects you don't want to bring up. That's why we did this. This is why we wrote this book to, um, to take away the fear and um, to hold your hand and to help you with resources and everything. So as we talk about this, we encourage you to go to the podcast episode page over at infoforfamilies.com. Our, this is uh, episode three, and we'll have some a list of all these resources and places you can find the things we're talking about so you can track them down and, and look into them and see if you can find a resource that might be good for you as you step into these conversations. Again, you're not alone. Realize that. The way our parents maybe didn't do a great job of this because they didn't have help, we've got tons of help. There's tons of tools out there. 
even if you have a, a resource called Right Now Media, many of our churches have subscriptions to this, kind of Netflix of, of Christian content. Our six-part series of the talks is on there too. You can go check that out and find that, or you can download that from our website. So find the tools you need to get talking, take away the fear, and, and realize that your kids need you to step on this. They're counting on you. God has given you this responsibility. So if anything, we want you to feel the heaviness of these issues uh, moving forward and to be able to figure out where your kid's at and what conversation, what talk you need to be having with him or her along the way. We fly all over the country doing a lot of different events, a lot of marriage, a lot of parenting, but this is our number one thing. So we would love to be invited into your church, into your school. PTAs have allowed us to come in. I, I really think people want help with this. Don't be afraid to put together a group of people. People really don't think it's weird, and people really get excited about learning and knowing how to handle this topic. People you know do want to talk about this. They need help. And so finding people around you that you can partner with is a great thing. And with that in mind, let's look at our featured resource of the week. So, of course, given the fact this is our heartbeat and that we wrote a book to guide parents through this, we're going to champion and do a shameless plug. The feature of the week is our book, The Talks. It came out probably five years ago now. I think it's five years ago this month. And uh, so it's been around a while. We've updated it a few times along the way. But it's basically your holistic start to finish soup to nuts, whether your kid's three years old or 18 years old, how to get comfortable having conversations with your kids about sexuality and relationships, everything from chivalry and modesty and pornography and social media, uh, abuse, how to guard against that. Well, we were watching that uh, Leaving Neverland story about Michael Jackson on TV this last week. And boy, just the potential of our kids to be abused is enough to have, uh, encourage us to have conversations to be intentional, let our kids know what they might encounter, and they can always tell us anything. Uh, some parents in that story definitely drop the ball in that way in some huge ways that just blow our minds. But again, we've got to be as parents intentional. Our book, The Talks, helps you uh, get a plan to have these conversations and get comfortable in your home talking about sexuality with your kids. So we would recommend that as a great resource, as a great starting place to begin teeing up some talks you want to have. And where do you get it? Oh, thank you, honey. You can find it on our website at infofamilies.com or you can go on Amazon and track it down there. Anywhere books are sold. Our question of the week is one that we picked up from a parent after one of our critical conversations event. And they put it on a card and we responded to it there, but we thought we responded to it in this context as well. The question is basically, I've blown it. My my kids are older now. They're 13 and 15 years old, and I haven't had many conversations intentionally about sex. I barely even had a birds and bees talk, and I haven't done anything. So the question was, have I blown it? Is it too late to correct maybe the mistakes I've made already, and are my kids doomed forever? Mm-hmm. What's the answer to that? And this is a very, very common question, and I just tell parents, man, there's nothing more important and more wonderful that that you could do in your parenting than apologize for for anything. I mean, just go to your kids and say, look, I went to this conference or look, I listened to this podcast or I bought this book that my friend gave me and I just realized I have never been a part of talking about all of these topics with you and I know it's going to be 
kind of weird now for me to want to talk to you about them, but I just want you to know I'm so sorry. I, I just did not know where to start. I didn't know what to say. And I know you know a lot and you probably have got it all figured out, but I would love to talk to you about some of the stuff that you know versus the way that I know it as an adult. And let's just kind of compare notes and and make it, you know, as chill as you possibly can. But but use us, use our book as a place to say, oh, my goodness, I've just I've never known what to do. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Could you know, we start over on this one. Again, I know it might be awkward, but... One, one great place to have that conversation with a teenager in particular is in the car where you yes. are not face-to-face at a table somewhere. You're shoulder-to-shoulder, not looking eye-to-eye. Mm-hmm. It takes away some of the awkwardness of it all, or it, it, it kind of makes it more potentially open then because you're not, I don't know, you're not face-to-face having to <laughs> just look each other in yeah. the eyes. And also, if you are uh, blessed enough to have a mom and a dad in your family, then I really think the dad needs to take on these conversations with the son and the mother with the daughter. That makes it a lot less awkward also. Yeah. And other, other parent can chime in too, but boy, it's, if, they, if the same gender parent can lead this, that can help. And then the rest of our resources might help um, the young man's guide to awesomeness, especially with a son and a father. It it, it brings up all these um, different things that they need to have known about that you might have not been able to tell them straight on. But this book would help you work through those and not make it so awkward. The book would, again, be the bad guy and Indeed. you could be the good guy. Well, just remember, it's never too late. It's never too late to start having these conversations. And boy, there's a lot of conversation you need to have with your 16 and your 18 and your 20-year-old still. And so step into those with bravery and with confidence and you can do it. We're confident. Before we go, one final challenge is just we want to encourage you to step into these no matter where you're kids are in life stage or development, just say, God, what do I need to be talking to my kids about? Maybe just ask him where we need to start. And if your kids are five years old, it may just be making sure they have a clear picture of, of you know how men and women are different and boys can begin to learn how to treat girls right and girls can learn the right way to, to behave and interact with boys. And just even talking with young children, elementary school kids about guarding their heart and saving mm-hmm. their kisses for marriage and, and not being uh, so um, out there, boyfriend, girlfriend, anybody that just guard that. Now, likewise, we don't want to demonize the affection that a boy would have for a girl, a girl would have for a boy. When, when your six-year-old says, I like Billy, well, um, what do you like about that boy? to your daughter? Or what do you like about that girl to your son? I mean, just to say, hey, let's begin to foster a right thinking of what is what it looks like to find the right kind of spouse one day. But we're not going to be boyfriends and girlfriends right now. Not just, just quite yet. Be friends but start having those conversations. Yeah. If your child's 15, you know, you need to be having conversations about relationships and about what dating parameters we're going to have in our home. And you've got to be talking about pornography. We're going to do a full episode on that down the road because pornography has been the just a cancer on uh, families and young people and, and it just it's a killer of all kinds of things related to God's design for sex. We'll save that for another day, but your kids need to be having a conversation with you regularly about pornography and how they're guarding their eyes and what they're seeing and what their friends are seeing. And so uh, we've got to keep on stepping into that. Mm-hmm. And we're here to help. So don't feel overwhelmed. Just go to our website. Let us love on you. Let us help you. Um, that's what we feel called to do. And when you um, send us your questions via 
info for families. They can email us at help at info for That email will come to us. We'll keep it anonymous. We won't tell anybody yeah. who you are, but be honest with your questions about what you want us to cover or to put on our question of the week. We'll be sure to address those in the coming days. Mm-hmm. And use that hashtag for Real Friday for your yes, imperfect please. normal families only stories. We would love that. As we close, we want to encourage you to go to the podcast episode page over at infoforfamilies.com. Connect with us there and find out all the resources we mentioned today. Go on, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. If you like, leave a review or give us four or five stars. If you think we're terrible, then do something else. We don't want you to review us at all. <laughs> Move along. But we love it when you subscribe and leave reviews. It helps other people to find this podcast. Yes. Be encouraged. God's not freaked out by this subject of sex, and you shouldn't either. Be bold, be courageous, step into it, and know that God's got your back, and uh, maybe we do too. And that we're here for you, yeah. That's right. We'll see you next week. This is Barrett. And Jennifer. Yeah, and we'll talk to you next time on the Imperfect Normal Families Only podcast.